BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Privacy. It's a big selling point for Apple customers here in the U.S. and around the world, except it would seem in China. Nearly all of Apple's products are assembled in China and 20 percent of its sales are generated there. A New York Times investigation out this week argues that special relationship has led Apple to enable government censorship and surveillance of its Chinese customers. Joining us now to talk about that investigation and Apple's mm, flexible commitment to privacy is Jack Nickus, San Francisco-based reporter covering technology for The New York Times. Jack, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I for those people who, who may not have read the uh, the article, or really there's a couple of articles out, and we uh, link to them online, uh, tell us about how your team went about this investigation. Sure. So it was a long process. Um, I cover Apple for the Times, and really the issue of China is uh, something that's been front and center in my mind uh, in terms of its importance to the company for many years. But it is a topic that Apple is not eager to talk about. Um, and it and Apple is a uh, ferociously secretive company. Um, and so I actually began reporting this in early 2019 in uh, my early conversations with sources. And we essentially tried to speak to people who worked at the company in specific areas, um, whether uh, including engineers, but also policy people. Um, and we also were able, uh, through our uh, reporting and our interviews, we're able to obtain internal Apple documents that described um, some of the compromises that we discuss in our investigation. And uh, summarize those those compromises. Sure. So the thesis of the story is really about how Apple has literally built its company on top of China. It manufactures nearly all of its products in the country, um, and it also sells um, more than $55 billion worth of goods there each year. Uh, it's its number two market after the United States. And, uh, you know, Apple's bet on China made more than two decades ago has been an enormous success. Um, but what we are reporting is that how in the past several years that, uh, you know, that entrenchment in China has required Apple to make compromises that really flout the values that Tim Cook, the chief executive, has made at the center of Apple. And in specific, uh, we talk about, and we reveal in this article about how Apple has specifically uh, stored data uh, in China under Chinese law. But uh, we reveal that uh, the storage of this data is actually done on Chinese government servers. It's done in a way uh, where they store the keys that unlock this information 
on the servers owned by the Chinese government. And they're using different encryption technology in China than they use elsewhere in the world because China would not allow its typical encryption technology. Um, and the security uh, experts that we spoke to and who reviewed internal Apple documents told us that because of Apple's concessions uh, re related to its iCloud in China, uh, the Chinese government would essentially be able to access the private information of Apple's Chinese users if the government wants. And finally, the other part of our article that we reveal is how Apple has built a system inside of its company that is designed to aid the censorship of the Chinese government. Essentially, Apple has trained its employees and also created software that uh, search apps for mentions of a list of banned topics in China, including things like Tiananmen Square, independence for Tibet and Taiwan, the Dalai Lama. And when apps mention these topics that Apple has deemed off limits in China, Apple's engineers or Apple's reviewers will take them down off these Oh, dear. <laughs> we are talking with New York Times technology reporter Jack Nickus about the paper's investigation, finding Apple compromised on privacy protections for Chinese customers, allowing surveillance and censorship. And I, I want to throw open the phone lines uh, to our listeners uh, to join this conversation with your questions for Jack. What are your thoughts about uh, Apple's relationship with China? Uh, what questions do you have for Jack? Give us a call now at 866 Six six seven three three six seven eight six. That's eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Uh, I I guess you know. Let me let me put it this way to you, Jack. Should we really be shocked shocked to discover a profit driven company bending? its principles to stay in play in one of the world's biggest markets? No, I don't think it's shocking. I think that this is the nature of a corporation, right? Apple has become dependent upon China. So it's natural for the company to want to keep its business running there. That is what this is all about. That's why Apple is making these compromises. These are not things that Apple wants to do. But one reason that you know this is particularly striking in the case of Apple is because Apple has made uh, privacy and civil liberties sort of at the center of its company. Apple has really built itself and branded itself as a company that is based on morals. And that's why uh, what's happening in China is exceptional, because they seem to contradict the very principles that Apple has made its brand about. You know, it's it's interesting. uh Part of the response to uh, the, the stories that you've released this week uh, includes a Washington Post editorial uh, board writing, there are some red lines of anti-democracy that Apple shouldn't cross. And those that China hasn't asked the company to cross already, someday it surely will. Uh, Apple can reduce the cost of saying no by diversifying its supply chain, as it has begun to do for some products. Um, this is advice that, that, you know, one could say applies not just to Apple, but to, to many, many thousands of U.S. companies. Absolutely. This is not just an Apple story. This is a, a story that um, virtually any company that's doing business in China um, is having to deal with. We saw that with the NBA. We've seen it with uh, some retail companies like Nike and H&M recently. But absolutely, China is a very attractive market given the enormous amount of people and money there. But it also comes with compromises.
We're talking with New York Times technology reporter Jack Nickus about the paper's investigation published this week, finding Apple compromised on privacy protections for Chinese customers. Join our conversation. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. I'm Rachel Myro, and you're listening to Forum. We're talking right now with New York Times technology reporter Jack Nickus about Apple's relationship with the Chinese government. Uh, Jack, is it fair to say Apple has no leverage in this relationship, or, or, or does it? D- does China want Apple products enough and want the manufacturing to stay in China enough for Apple to have some capacity to push back? Apple certainly has leverage. Um, I think, as you know, uh, the Chinese government certainly does not want to lose Apple's investment in the country, the supply chain. It, it creates literally millions of jobs um, because of the enormity of the supply chain there. And also, uh, the Chinese government, want, you know, Chinese consumers want the iPhone. And so, um, you know, if the Chinese government banned Apple, it would potentially create some, some issues uh, among its populace. But at the same time, if you look at the two sides, the Chinese government certainly has the upper hand in the relationship because Apple is completely dependent upon the Chinese government and China, essentially, whereas China is not dependent upon Apple. Um, and so but this means there is a dance that happens. Um, you know, it, it is not it is not a situation in which the Chinese government can get everything it wants. And we actually document some cases in which Apple has been able to push back successfully. It, you know, actually, an example close to home is in we report in 2012 the Chinese government uh, ordered Apple to take down the New York Times app in China, and Apple successfully resisted that order. But uh, what we also reported was that five years later, in 2017, the Chinese government came back to Apple and said, no, you have to take down the app. And at that point, Apple did. A listener writes, should I be worried about how my iPhone is manufactured? Are Apple's labor practices in China up to snuff? It depresses me to hear that Apple has a double standard on this policy. Um, you know, that that is a, a fair question. There has been a lot of reporting over the years about labor practices in China, uh, um, you know, with Apple. And um, Apple is, I would say, one of the more careful companies about uh, its supply chain and has tried to be transparent. But at the same time, the supply chain is so enormous and it also requires, um, you know, such intense labor at times because of uh, holiday periods. Um, there has been plenty of documented cases document the cases in which workers are working um, extreme hours uh, and under duress. Um, and there also most recently has been reports about um, Uyghur labor. So this is essentially forced labor. Uyghurs are the ethnic minority in China. They have been persecuted um, in that country. And uh, in many cases, in, uh, 
in one region of China, the Uyghurs are forced to work in factories. And uh, there have been recent reports by Labor Watch uh, organizations that have noted that uh, there appears to be weaker labor in the Apple supply chain. Let's go to the phones now and Thomas in Hayward. Good morning. Good morning. You lived in Hong Kong? I lived in Hong Kong, and as many expatriates experience, I fell in love with the place, and I married a lady from there, and uh, an incredible experience. And it's heartbreaking to see what happened uh, over the last five to six years with Xi Jinping and his policies. So, And also, it's interesting, we sponsored a Uyghur student um, about four years ago who lived with us. So we've got a little bit of an insight into that world. But my real question is, and I realize this is sort of rhetorical, that when will, and I hate to just say the industrial West, but when will business finally step up to Mr. Xi and his cronies and say, you know what, your business is important to us, but you are beginning to really rattle the foundations of democracy. Um, When I first got to Hong Kong many years ago, I sort of took the attitude that why do we need to have democracy everywhere? Because I did work in China a lot, and I got to know a lot of the people and the presidents at that time I felt okay with. But I think it's finally time the West stands up and simply says, enough's enough, guys, and and just really use our ability to unify, not that we're competing with China you know, on business, but ideologically, they really are beginning to threaten um, so many foundations of what we operate with. And I think if we hold Mr. Xi to to power, that we can finally say, get back on track, China. You were doing such a great job. And now they really are messing with things. So there's my question. Can we somehow (laughs) unify the business community to to finally say to these guys, you know, do the five year plan. China's famous for those things. You know, we're not. Uh, well, well, Thomas, let let's let Jack get in there. Uh, Jack, I, I I guess the key question here is, you know, um, do do American corporations have the capacity, the 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 strategic capacity to push back against this administration in China, or is that something that that's really beyond them as individual players? Well, what I can say is if there was any corporation that would push back, it would be Apple. It is the biggest company, American company in China. Uh, it has the most revenue there. Uh, it has an, probably the largest manufacturing presence. And it also is, a, it, it is the most valuable company in the world. Um, and it, it is a company that obviously has enormous power, um, given its, uh, the central place that its products play in so many of our lives. And, um, and it also is a company that's built on principles. And yet, as we show... It has been unable to push the government to open up in the way that it had hoped. Um, and so I think that speaks to the fact that um, this is difficult or, or this is not not necessarily that. Well, of course, it's difficult, but it's not maybe necessarily something that companies are willing to do because that would require sacrificing uh, the profits, essentially, that can be made in China. And I think a good counterexample is Google. Um, Google, you know, a decade ago, was doing business in China. It was it created a search engine there. It's a big opportunity for a commercial market. And um, then the Chinese government started to require Google to censor search results. And what happened as a result uh, was Google had to pull out of the country, and now Google does not do business in China. Um, and Apple's, you know, what Apple has said to us in the article, uh, in some ways, is that we think the world's better off with us being in China 
person us pulling out um, and seeing what we can do to change things. Um, but its ability to change things really has been limited. Well, you know, I, I guess that's uh, an interesting counterpoint there because it, in that case, we had um – uh, you know, we had Google pressured both from the outside and it must be said from the inside from some of its own employees who were concerned about uh, Google's engagement in, in China. Uh, but, you know, it, it, is that the case uh, with Apple? It, is there public pressure? Uh, is there internal pressure for the company to reconsider uh, what it's doing? I, I have seen very little, actually. And, um, uh, you know, Apple is uh, very different than a lot of other Silicon Valley companies in that we have seen, um, you know, we, we have seen cases at, at, at Amazon, at Facebook, at um, Google, in which uh, employees have spoken up and have created change by pressuring their managers and their executives about the policies and about the strategy of the business. But we have not seen much of that at Apple. And, it, and it's somewhat difficult to explain why that is, I think, in part, it is about the, the, the nature of the company. People are really believe in the mission. Um, and also, I think that there is also a case in which um, uh, <laughs> Apple doesn't allow the same sort of uh, conversation inside of uh, its company uh, for workers to organize. Um, and so we just haven't seen that sort of pressure from the, the rank and file inside of Apple. Let's go to the phones again. And William in Belvedere. Thank you very much. I, I must say I'm troubled by uh, attaching morality to corporations or saying that Apple is an American corporation. Uh, Apple is owned by anybody who buys Apple stock. And that person can be in Timbuktu, they can be in Shanghai, or they can be in New York. Uh, when we say that uh, corporations have an obligation to morality, uh, I, I, it gives them a kind of an aura that I don't think they deserve uh, or that they're founded on principles of X, Y, Z or morality or whatever. Whoever owns the corporation calls the tune, and that can be anyone anywhere in the world. And I'd appreciate the... Uh, it sounded like William was going to ask you, uh, Jack, to, to comment on that. I mean, I think this is certainly a point of view that you could take with companies, um, and I think that there is absolute truth to that. Um, I, I do think in practical means, the board of directors are really the ones who manage the direction of the company. Of course, they answer to shareholders, but uh, particularly with large corporations like this, we know concentration of stock ownership means that you know an individual shareholder is not going to really wield any power at all over the direction of the company. And of course, uh, again, I think I'm not trying to assign morality to Apple. Um, but rather, we are talking about, um, we are reflecting the values that uh, Apple executives have put out there in the world, that they have said Apple is all about. And we are reporting on how they are making uh, compromises that seem to contradict values that have become part of the Apple brand. Uh, look at what we uh, say, not what we do. Uh, thank you so much, William, uh, for raising those uh, questions. Phil in Burlingame is also with us. You know, it, this is a great comment, but my question really has to do with global supply chains, and Apple is just one of many, you know, and I'm not protecting what they're doing. What I'm trying to say is the Chinese government has all these rules for what you have to do to operate inside China, you know, and in order to do that, you know, companies have to give up everything, and the Chinese are autocrats, and 
you know, the supply chain in the United States right now is separating from that of China. And the Chinese government is separating the supply chain from the West because in the end, it's just really a military issue. Jack? Oh, have we lost? I'm a little bit confused about the, the last part of the question on uh, the military issue. But, um, um, and and Phil, maybe you can clarify. But it sounds to me like you're saying we're 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 asking we're asking companies uh, to sort of take stands, uh, you know, in, in a gray zone when when you know uh, the U.S. government might be the one to to sort of step forward exactly. and say wh- where do things stand with China. Exactly. So, for example, all of the goods and services that the West receives from China, that for, you know, because of all these moral reasons, we can't do it because a million Uyghurs are thrown in prison or the South China Sea is being militarized. Um, You know, what option does Apple have to do that other than to play or not play? And the supply chains right now are the biggest problem. If we get something from China and nobody else supplies it and we can't get it, our auto lines are shut down for two weeks. Global trade is unwinding. Isn't that really what this is part of? Global trade unwinding. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is a very smart comment in the sense that um, (laughs) there's no easy answer here. Um, This is not a situation in which, uh, you know, Apple has another clear alternative that would allow it to... I think, uh, stick with the principles that it wants to do and, and also keep its business running. I mean, th- there's a there's a real dilemma that Apple is facing um, it, by doing business in China. And as, as the listener um, you know, points out here, is that this is not an Apple problem. This is a global trade problem. This is a situation where, um, you know, American industry and global industry really has um, past several decades based manufacturing in the world in uh, a part of the world, you know, in a country that is now autocratic. Um, and is requiring companies that want to manufacture um, to play by its set of rules. And that makes many companies very uncomfortable. So, so uh, Jack, a thought that comes to mind is, you know, if if China's government is demanding too much or, or putting these companies in, in an impossible position with their with their shareholders, with their employees, with their customers in other parts of the world, uh, is is the likely next step from Apple and other companies to simply diversify their their manufacturing and diversify their customer base more effectively? Uh, to to free them from from this uh, you know ethical quandary. Uh, absolutely, that that would be um, you know a, a smart step. I think for many companies to to obviously you know decrease the risk that they face in China and Apple, uh, as we report a little bit in the story and, and we may say more about in follow up stories, is that you know Apple is some it has pursued this diversification of the supply chain in order to uh, enable it to not depend so much upon China. Um, but it's really difficult because um, Apple is so entrenched there. The supply chain is so enormous, so sophisticated, so complex that really China is the only country in many ways that can do this. Um, it has, uh, you know, the Chinese government has spent billions of dollars to pave roads, to build factories, build employee housing, power plants. Um, and, and, and also just the sheer amount of trained workers in China is almost impossible to recreate in any other country. Uh, Apple has looked to Vietnam uh, where government assistance is something that can be, uh, you know, uh, obtained there, but uh, the the amount of people is really just not enough in Vietnam. And Apple has also started to look to India 
um, and it's actually opened up an iPhone assembly plant there, a smaller one, uh, where India has the sheer amount of people that Apple's supply chain requires, but the messy democracy there makes it very difficult to build the same sort of supply chain that Apple has in China. So, so out of curiosity, how has Apple responded to your reporting this week? Uh, well, you could see the statements in the story. Um, you know, they certainly have, I think, have disputed the central premise of the story in the sense that they are, uh, to them, as they say in our, their statement, we're obeying the local laws. Uh, this is how we operate. We do this in every country. This is the law, and we obey it. It's as simple as that in some ways. Um, they, they say in the case of, you know, as we point out about uh, their censorship of apps, they talk about how, listen, we don't always agree with the laws, um, but we uh, have to obey them, and we do our best to give users the best experience while while complying with the local laws. Um, they have said in response to our reporting on their data storage in China, um, they have said that um, the data is safe, essentially, and that they are using the most advanced encryption in China than they use anywhere in the world, and that they are also retaining control of the keys that unlock the information that is stored in China. And and have you heard from, I don't know, lawmakers? I mean, obviously Apple customers uh, here in the U.S., but have you heard from U.S. lawmakers or, or regulators uh, who, are, who are keen to follow up, uh, you know, in, in some form or fashion? We've seen um, several Republican congressmen um, tweet about the article and, and um, you know, talk about how this shows um, the compromise that Apple has made. And, and certainly there have been critics of Apple in Congress about its dependence upon China and its capitulation in China. Uh, and uh, it will be interesting to see whether or not this becomes this leads to any actual action or, or even hearings. I, I suppose it could be said that that concern about China was one of the hallmarks of the Trump administration. What what early signals do we have from the Biden administration? The Biden administration is taking a similarly hard line with China. Um, they are not um, trying to, uh, you know, weaken the, the stance of the U.S. government. Uh, in some ways, they're they're sticking with some of the same policies uh, towards China as the Trump administration. Um, they are not continuing the same sort of trade war, uh, I think, in the, in the way that, that uh, President, former President Trump did take. Um, but they are taking a hard line. And I think um, that shows the uh, difference between the way the government is approaching China and the way a lot of uh, many American corporations are approaching you know, you speak uh, about uh, other American corporations. It's hard not to notice Google is having a developers conference uh, this week, and they are very much interested in in um, how to describe it. You know, placing themselves in the discussion about consumer privacy, at least here in this country. But, you know, the the question is, uh, to what extent Apple can continue to sort of hold itself up as as a great defender of consumer privacy when the story is different depending on which country you're in? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, a single article is going to have a limited amount of uh, impact on Apple's overall brand. Um, and I think that this is not going to change Apple's approach to marketing. Um, but Absolutely. It certainly raises question about, uh, I think, the brand that Apple has put forth. And um, and we'll see whether or not uh, anything changes. Jack, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. We've been talking with Jack Nickus of The New York Times about Apple in China. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.